Welcome to The Change Lead, the podcast providing leaders with the insight needed to get things done in a rapidly changing and complex world. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Connect with our community of like-minded leaders on our website, thechangelead.com. Welcome to The Change Lead with your host, Babatope Ipiyumi. Hello and welcome. This is Baba Tokwekwiyomi from The Change Lead and welcome to episode 15 of The Change Lead podcast. In today's episode, we get to have a conversation with an agile enthusiast. My guest today is a professional consultant with over 20 years experience. He provides business, technology, projects, IT management services and architecture consultant services to organizations. He's also had the opportunity to work with startup companies as well as large blue chip organizations. My guest today is Dean Atador. I have seen firsthand that Dean has a very positive mindset. He's also very good at creating the necessary partnership to get difficult things done. Today, Dean and I will have a conversation on how you can get Agile to work for you and your team. Dean, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and welcome to the show. Pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Sure, sure. Really looking forward to this as well. Um, so if we just get started from the very beginning for our audience with Agile. So when we, when we think of Agile, it almost seems as if there are two camps with Agile, all right? So one camp, which I'll probably put the likes of yourself in, are people who they live and breathe Agile. They work with Agile, they know Agile inside out because that's what they do. There's another camp that they hear a lot about Agile because Agile has been around for a long time. But because they don't work with it, Agile seems to be something that happens over there or to other people, right? So the question is, for people who are in this other camp, they hear a lot about Agile, but they may have questions that they're reluctant to ask. How do you explain Agile to them? Sure. Well, there's a list of things that I can say to describe Agile. Um, Well, Agile is essentially a method of reducing the cost on cost of change and uncertainty. It's a, a set of values and principles, a, a systematic way or method of doing things, a methodology. It's also a, a mindset, a set of beliefs, principles, and a way of working. Um, it serves as an overarching umbrella for practices and frameworks that, in, that um, embrace those values and principles, which include Scrum, Kanban, SAFE, DSDM, XP, among others. Um, Characteristically, it's an iterative approach to getting getting things done, delivering value as fast as possible in increments rather than all at once. And importantly, it values um, collaboration, um, adaptability, um, getting it done, um, continuous improvement and continuous customer involvement to deliver the highest quality um, and highest value possible whilst maintaining committed and highly engaged and performing teams. Cool. No, thanks. That's, I think, so if I pick a few things I heard there, I heard collaboration, mm-hmm. you know, getting it done, um, yes. not having to wait till the end. So th- those are all things that you can't really argue. You can't argue against any leader, anyone in an organization looking to bring value will see the benefit in that. So I think it almost brings us naturally to the, the next natural question is around usages, benefits of Agile. So one definition of intelligence is that 
intelligence is the ability to use knowledge and skills to mm. a particular situation or scenario. So when it comes to agile, if we to apply intelligence here, that means in our, for agile, we, how do we use our knowledge of agile? What you know about agile to situations? Are there examples, use cases that you can describe of how agile has benefited uh, people that you've worked with in the past? Yes, well, initiatives with aggressive deadlines um, and a high degree of complexity and a high degree of uncertainty and uniqueness, they're the ones which are going to really um, benefit greatly from Agile. Um, also, Agile, it's going it's to benefit the type of projects where it's not fully clear what the end product would actually look like. Therefore, the vision and the macro requirements are established at initiation, but the detail itself actually emerges later as functional in, in um, iterative um, increments. Um, Agile is also beneficial when incremental results, which have value and experimentation is, is welcomed. And it's also when it's possible to plan while you're working and I find that Agile works fantastically in that sense. Um, Agile also would be beneficial when your stakeholders committed to being an active part of the, um, an active partner in, in the efforts and they're ready and willing to reprioritize when necessary and be responsive um, and to define and add requirements as they're needed um, throughout the, the actual uh, project itself. Um, I found that Greenfield projects they're really great for Agile as well because it allows product owners to discover the, the project's um, features and requirements in an iterative way, um, again, while planning your work. Um, so you can see that Agile will greatly benefit your teams and, um, and your organization in, in many, many ways and in many, many situations. Um, that said, um, there are many situations where Agile won't really work for you. Um, it, as it's not a magic bullet for all situations or all initiatives or all objectives. Um, I find that Agile doesn't work very well when none of the team understands what Agile actually actually is or how to do it. Um, and I think that this goes hand in hand when situation where you find that the team are all novices, um, not necessarily highly skilled and don't necessarily need to know or need to be that um, in order to get the job done. Um, Agile also won't work well when your customer has no interest in close collaboration. Um, this is what we were mentioning earlier about collaboration. If they don't have no interest in collaborating throughout the project and they opt for really a, a hands-off approach and prefer to just give instructions and just wait for the finished article, Agile really isn't going to be for you. Um, if you find that your, your project's measurement of success is defined by how well those customers um, original and strict requirements is satisfied to the letter, Agile is going to fail you. Um, static goals and objectives just won't work for, for Agile. Um, when, when critical or many steps involve really long lead times or lots of specialized resources to make them happen, um, again, Agile as a methodology won't be appropriate for you. And um, we talked about increments earlier. When, when incremental results have little or, or no significant value to anybody, that iterative um, characteristic of Agile, that's going to be ineffective to you. Um, when, 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 a project's, when a project has clear 
um, stable, complete um, requirements and strict deadlines and effort estimation is predictable. And when the project's been done many, many times before, some kind of a cookie cutter, as it were, then Agile won't be the right choice for you. You're better off going with things like waterfall. And um, speaking of waterfall, if a process is um, best implemented as a linear one, like waterfall, um, like requirements, design, build, test, deploy, maintain, um, and customer feedback and re-evaluation won't be necessary, then, then Agile isn't best for you, then you're best off with a waterfall approach. So I'd advise against using Agile when contract requirements, oh, that's important, when contract requirements and regulations, they mandate a use of um, specific life cycle processes and mandate the inclusion of detailed and comprehensive documentation um, and, document, and documented requirements, those type of things. Agile's got not going to, when Agile's not actually deemed as, as appropriate and acceptable, then, for example, like some military contracts, some military projects may require formal um, documentation, for example, and formal processes to be mandated. Those type of things won't work with Agile. So you're best going for a formal waterfall type approach. Um, and Finally, when organization processes are strict and they really must be adhered to, um, getting the best out of Agile, um, that's going to be really, really challenging for you. So you can see that there are great reasons for using Agile, but Agile, again, is not a silver bullet. So there are many situations where it really won't be appropriate, appropriate for you. Okay. No, thanks. thanks. Thanks a lot for that. And that actually is very insightful. But you give the balanced view instead of just saying, oh, it's this brilliant thing. There are loads of benefits. Yes. But yes. yes. <laughs> you, you can't just, yeah. You know, unless we'll go agile and, and everything's going to be great. It, it doesn't work like that. You don't use it for everything. It's not, it's not going to be the best thing for you for some situations. And same way around, other way around. Waterfall things are best done in agile ways. So. No, swings around very, very, very insightful. Um, I remember I recall listening to a, a, someone who created the PMP course. So we know PMP is a very linear mm -hmm. methodology. Okay. Yes. Yes. And yes. the creator of this course, his organization actually used an agile methodology to create the course. So it's actually quite interesting that there are lots of applications that may not be intuitive, but like you said, you do need a little bit of intelligence, a little bit of insight as to when yes. and where you don't use agile because there is intelligence. You don't just do yeah. it for the sake of doing it. So that, do it for the sake very, of doing it, certainly, insightful. certainly. Make a decision with, um, with Agile is the best way to go. No, really insightful. Um, one thing you mentioned in that explanation was you used the term product owner, um, and it, it goes towards the, the knowledge of Agile. Is this something you can, you can unpack? Because Mom said that's a very key role. And it might be something that listeners will want to understand a little bit more. Who, who is a product owner? Why is that so key in Agile? Well, your product owner represents your customer. So they're the ones who are going to say, well, this is what the backlog is, the backlog of work that you're going to be focused on. And they're the ones who will be setting the prioritization of that. They know what the customer wants and they represent the customer in, in, in that regards. So they are a critical component. They're the, your customer in that sense. So, um, yeah, that, that's your person who... You need to be, as a scrum master, for example, liaising with on a, on a regular basis and must be involved in everything that we're doing. Perfect. No, thanks. So you just use the word scrum there. So if we move mm. into frameworks, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
So, and it's going to sound funny, but let's, let's imagine, for example, that Agile was a person, right? So Agile is a person like you and I. We can go visit Agile. We can speak to Agile. If we go visit Agile on Monday, for example, for some reason, we find Scrum there, thereabouts. You know, go there Tuesday, Scrum's there again. How come, you know, each time we, we see Agile, we're talking Scrum? What, what is the relationship between this guy, Agile, and Scrum? <laughs> true. Well, it's true. It seems you, you can't hear about Agile without hearing about Scrum. Um, and many mistakenly use the term synonymously. So Agile, like I said, is a set of values and principles, a methodology. And Scrum, like you were saying, is a framework that's based on those Agile values and, and principles. So to be clear, Agile is a methodology. And Scrum is a framework and the most popular of the Agile frameworks, which is why you're always going to be hearing about it. So it's probably um, worth a moment to understand what the difference is between a, a methodology and a, a framework. Um, a methodology is defined as a group of systematic and prescriptive methods, tools and procedures that provide the, the guidance to get something done. And as used in a specific field, for example, um, project management in this case, and a framework is defined as a structure of rules or ideas, and it provides a loose, flexible guide um, with a level of ambiguity embedded that allows for creativity or poetic license to get things done. So from that definition, You'll be able to deduce that if you're working for a, say, a small organization and managing small size projects um, or working in the creative industry, for example, it's better to adopt a, a framework, something that gives you room for, for creativity. Um, whereas if you're working for a large organization and managing large size projects, it makes more sense to adopt a methodology that all projects may use. So there's a, an understandable reason for that. Um, if a large organization only uses a framework and not a methodology for its employees, um, those employees would be inevitably doing things differently, uh, even though they're all said to be adopting the same framework. Um, so inconsistency is going to arise and monitoring is going to be challenging. So Scrum is an iterative, and Scrum is an iterative um, method of of product development that breaks down a project into small segments, which are then um, completed by small cross-functional teams within a defined period of time. And it focuses on a, a regular rhythm of delivery and relies on highly skilled uh, cross-functional teams and some um, specific supporting roles, like I mentioned earlier about product owner, and a set of key ceremonies to complete the delivery of the project. So that's the difference between it. We're agile, being a methodology in Scrum, being a framework, flexible, you can work within it. In a large organization, you want to have a methodology so that everyone's doing things in a, in a consistent way and choosing the right type of frameworks for the right type of situation is also important. So remember what we were talking about earlier, um, about one, one, one shoe doesn't fit all, as it were, and using the right things and having the right kind of um, common sense and analysis, use the right type of framework for the right type of situation as well. So Scrum is the most popular one. So it, it's understandable why people mention it all the time, but there are many to, to talk about. Yeah, no, I think that was good. So for what you're saying, um, effectively, Scrum is like the 8,000 pound gorilla 
in the world <laughs> of, of agile frameworks. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's the one that people just seem to like understand. It's the one that everyone talks about. But you know, Scrum, Safe, XP, and you, you, you're going on. There's a there's a there's a lot right. more that you can you can talk about. Kanban, others. True. True. Okay. Thanks. So if we go into actual practical applications um, mm -hmm. of of agile with with frameworks as well. So you and I, we've both had the opportunity of working with pretty large organizations, large multinational organizations. And one trend we've seen, and large organizations have different kinds of challenges. They, they just go to scale, they have different kinds of challenges. So we accept that. Um, so one thing we tend to see, and well, I'll say, and then I would like to get your perspective as well, is technology divisions, a lot of times, because of their agile's been birthed from the software development world. So technology divisions naturally tend towards agile. They're going to mm -hmm. embrace it. They're going to want to run with it. But in some cases, the yeah. technology division is ready to run with it. They bought into it, but everybody else doesn't quite follow suit. So business development, sales and marketing, legal and compliance, these are divisions that typically wouldn't go in the route of agile. Now, my perspective, my, and I want to get yours as well, is that this, this mix doesn't quite work where you have one division trying to follow a particular, effectively it starts with a mindset, a methodology, and then specifics of a framework. One division goes ahead without the rest. So why is this happening and what can we do to address this? Yes, it's, it's, it's like a, a horse running where one leg wants to go the other direction, as it were. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a, um, a headache. We've worked in this same organizations and we've, we've all seen it um, so certainly this happens in in many organizations and it's extremely frustrating especially if one's gone through the, the great lengths to educate teams in the adoption of agile yet other teams in the business still possess a traditional way of thinking and and, and working really um, well the reality is that agile really needs everyone everyone working together in an organization and across the organization. It's not supposed to be limited to technology. And that assumption really needs to be put to rest. Indeed, it's a, it's a real problem when there is a general resistance to change in parts of the organization. And so organizations are really shooting themselves in the foot when they don't embrace agile across the entire organization as bottlenecks begin. And you're only as strong as your weakest part. Um, Oftentimes, you may have an agile development team operating super efficiently, and they're only impeded when another department has antiquated and prohibitive change management processes, which only is only going to be um, exacerbated even further where processes and practices are inconsistent across teams as well. So sometimes you might be um, fortunate to be working within a program that has teams operating in an agile uh, fashion, yet again, um, impeded by another program that works in a waterfall manner uh, with project plans that, that don't integrate well and delivery delays that don't meet the needs of a fast-paced um, delivery approach of what Agile is going to give you. Um, and many organizations still, um, still report in a legacy way and seeking metrics or plans that simply aren't compatible with Agile. Um, and the key is to get rid of the silo mentality, the us and them, the view of business versus um, um, technology or technology versus business. And instead of look at the organization as a whole, um, where 
agile team compositions are truly cross-functional, which includes the business. That's an important thing to do. Um, frameworks such as SAFE, a scaled agile framework, they're created to achieve business agility, which looks at scaling agile across the entire organization. Um, one key, uh, what well, one core competency of SAFE is um, the lean agile leadership. And that goes to drive and sustain organizational change and operational excellence by empowering individuals and teams to reach their highest potential and embed the lean, agile way of working by modeling the expected norm throughout an organization. So getting your leadership to start driving agile is really going to be key to, to helping to change things there. And uh, another competency which is in SAFE is the organizational agility, and that includes lean thinking people and agile teams, and which is a state where, which, which occurs when everyone in the organization is trained in lean and agile methods and embraces and embodies the values, the principles and the practices, and it seeks to continuously improve business processes, which includes implementing consistencies across the organization. So these are the types of things that you can do to help embed agile in an organization, drive um, departments to become consistent in the way they're working. And if you do those type of things that can help break down those silos and hopefully deal with that problem that we have right now. So um, yeah, it's, it's, we're still getting there, but as long as we start doing those types of things, we will be able to get there in the end. That's, that, thanks, thanks for that. So you, you acknowledge it's, it's a huge challenge. But it's, there are, it's a huge challenge, yes. Yeah, but, but there are frameworks that we can use to, to begin to address mm-hmm. this, to look at this as well. Um, I know you mentioned SAFE. I think one other thing um, from what you just said, I'll just unpack a little bit is the, the training and learning. So effectively, mm-hmm. we do need a learning mindset across the organization for organizations to embrace new ways of thinking, new ways Absolutely. of working. Yeah, so it's, it sounds like it's we need to be not knowers, but learners. So learners, exactly. <laughs> continuously <laughs> improving, continuously learning, exactly. continually retrospective thinking, et cetera. So yes, that's important. Perfect. Thank you. So you you recently wrote an article, and I remember correctly, you titled it How Agile Retrospectives Made My Team. Rock, rock stars. stars. Yes. How, did, <laughs> yeah. how agile retrospective turn my teams into rock stars. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Turn yeah. Team. yeah. Yeah. So I, I I read the article. I've actually read it a few times. Um the I like the way you the poster on the article as well. It's very catchy. You see a rock star with a guitar. Um, but there's there are a lot of very important messages in that in the article. So for the benefit of audience, listeners, and viewers as well, could you just unpack that for us a little bit, please? Sure, happy to. Um <clears throat> well retrospectives they're extremely important extremely important as you suggest it's the time to stop take a breath and reflect on the past and to improve on things for the future and and agile places a strong focus on continuous improvement and learning from mistakes if you don't pause for a moment to reflect on your performance and how are you going to recognize where you've gone wrong or to figure out ways to how to get better for positive change. So it provides a, an opportunity to praise success and to re-motivate the team 
so it has a strong attention to the people that do the work um it provides a safe environment for teammates to get stuff off their chests with mutual respect without fear of reprimand um so retro so retrospectives will re-energize your team and it's going to strengthen their camaraderie um they're going to become more actively engaged and feel more empowered and more valued um their productivity will improve as they learn to become more efficient in reducing delay and to avoiding repeat mistakes thus the time to market will, will um, be reduced and uh, the quality of work will improve as well and the list truly, truly goes on so yeah so i feel so passionate about that that i i i wrote an article on, on that so um yeah it's worth a read anyone is listening and um, it's gained some great feedback so um as for how i use them i mean i can explain how i do it um sure well it's been said that what's the phrase um insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results and well that's empiricism so empiricism is the idea that we learn best from experience and retrospectives enable this and so the empirical process follows three steps that's um transparency inspection and adaptation and it's by following these three steps that i ensure that the team are open honest and unafraid about their feedback that's transparency um the team dig deep into identifying identifying the root causes of why issues may have arisen that's inspection and finally to get the team to embrace the desire and the commitment to change things for the better that led to those issues in the first place and via actionable steps that's adaptation so in my my experience um the key to having a great retrospective include or involve preparation that's ensuring that everybody understands what the purpose is of that ceremony and making sure everybody is comfortable enough and relaxed and enthusiastic enough to want to participate so i find it's important to ensure that meeting invitations are clear and this is i'm about this with meeting invitations period but with retrospective make sure that the meeting invitations are clear um i state the title and the purpose of the session i i state um the agenda and that consists of a quantitative review followed by a qualitative review i state the the key inputs to that session which consists of a link to the actual retrospective board so everyone gets to see what what's going on and i state the the key outputs as well which is at least one or two um actionable improvement items to carry into the next iteration and i make sure that the behaviors importantly the behaviors for success to get the best out of that out of that session are also you know all you know fully understood so as i mentioned i have a quantitative review and i have a a qualitative review so in my quantitative review um, my team assesses whether they met the iteration goals simply a yes or no um Um, we also um, collect and apply iterative metrics for visibility to help with um, process improvement. And these metrics include um, the team velocity, or how much work got done in that in that um, time frame, and the number of stories or work items that were delivered, or the number of defects that were that were addressed. Strong metrics. Um, and in the qualitative review, we look at how well. we addressed improvement items since the last retrospective because we want to see that continual improvement so it's no sense in 
in saying these are the things that we want to do in the next iteration, but in the next iteration, we don't actually look, did we achieve them or not? So you you, you want to do that. So um, we look at what um, which action items came up with and, um, and, and, and commit to improving our ways of working and, and preventing any issues um, that, that arose. So these are the types of things we do in our quantitative review. And to ensure that I get the best out of participants, we agree what we feel are the, are the key behaviours for success. And um, I ask that the team don't leave it until only the retrospective to submit items. And they're encouraged to submit items to, to the retrospective board at any time during the iteration. When things are fresh, things something amazing just happened, stick it in the retrospective. When something bad is happening, which has really delayed you, throw it in the, in the retrospective. If something's gone wrong, you worked out a way to fix it, oh, that's a great idea. Put it in the retrospective as the ideas, etc. Other teams can learn from that. So it's really, really important. Um, it's important that everyone should speak and feel that they have it and feel that they have a voice. It's important. Um, so eliminate the, you know, there's no room for shrinking violets, but we also don't want any microphone hoggers <laughs> as well. You know, we all have that person who blah, 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 and everyone just sits down in, in, in a corner cowering. Nah, I, I try and knock that out. Um, we focus on items. This is the important one. We focus on the items that, that the team can address and not on how others can improve. It's not a blame game. And we have to recognize that the team did the best that they could based upon what they knew. Reminds me of that, that norm curve statement, really. Um, a, a key behavior that I expect is that participants are honest. This is that, that transparency thing, that the, the, the team are honest about what they feel um, didn't work or what items were not completed. If they, if it could be, maybe they simply underestimated the effort, fine, then we'll know next time to adjust it. Um, if they felt like they were burnt out, fine, then we'll see what we can do to remedy the situation so that we can manage those workloads. Whatever it is, just be honest and say what's going on. If you couldn't do it, could you just didn't understand it? Fine, that's a learning opportunity. Um, I, I, I ensure that the team focus on continuing improvement. That's be personal and, and team. And I encourage learning goals um, and creative ideas that better things for all. I, I also actively encourage participants to keep an open mind. Um, don't dismiss anyone's thoughts or opinions. And that, that's the way that creativity is cultivated and positive change results. There's no such thing as a stupid question, only stupid answers. Just throw things out there somebody might come up with a crazy wacky idea and realize that that's going to half the time of doing certain things um and finally i ensure that we celebrate success and we give give others you know, and ourselves a pat on the back you know as a little appreciation is all it takes to make the effort worth it you know you, those late nights that you've been working and people give you a thanks you kind of forget about that late night you're like well you know what yeah i'm glad that everyone's happy so um, finally, I'll say that the, a retrospective ought to be enjoyable and feel worthwhile. And it's always a good idea to switch up your approach to running them so it doesn't get stale. It's, it's important to do that. Just don't have it samey, 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 week in, week out, or iteration in, iteration out, as it were. Mix it up a bit, try new things, new, new tools, you know, keep people on their toes, keep them creative. That's, that's also a good idea. A lot of people do just 
run retrospectives in a certain way and they don't change. And if they notice that they're not getting the kind of value out of it that they used to get, that probably be one of the reasons why. So um, yeah, retrospectives were great. And yes, my team are now rock stars. They're loving it. And um, yeah, I'm very proud of them. Uh, that's, that's really nice. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm never going to try and unpack everything. Put the link <laughs> to the put, to put the, the link and have a listen in the show notes. <laughs> or read my a few things I read do, my article. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> or read my I'll article. Put the link in the show notes. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Put the link in the show notes. Um, you mentioned three things there. I just want to touch on. So transparency, inspection, and adaptation. And I'm going to use that. So those are three things you need to get yeah, out. I'm going, adaptation. I'm going to use that. So, important yeah if you one think, other think one about it that way yeah Sorry? you'll get it yeah, yeah if you think yeah, about it that way you you know you, you covered it all mm. cool no that's really good um one other one that you picked on and it's not very not always obvious but when i've listened to people who study psychology it actually reflects what you just said whereby you give the feedback at the point you are experiencing it yes, because the way we remember things is different from reality because once memory is clouded by perception, right? Exactly. So you might have had a very bad experience, but at the very end, something well, something happened well, you forget all the pain. Okay? This is just the way the human body works. Yes. So if we get the input during the journey, like you said, you are actually getting the reality. Raw. Right. Truth. There. You're getting the yeah. facts, the truth, the raw, the passion. How did it make you feel? <laughs> you know, that's what you yeah, want. Man. You don't want time to reflect on it. It's how did it make you feel this is really really bad and it's also good because a lot of people um res- it resonates with people and when you share your retrospective notes with other teams and they're like hey i've had that problem too oh that's been really frustrating and they look at the items that you say that you you want to try and they're like that sounds like a great idea then you fixed another team especially when you have scaled agile multiple teams it shouldn't be isolated to the one team share them and when you have your PI, if you're doing, say, SAFE, for example, you have your retrospective of your entire PI, you can pull these, the key ones in and you can start to share it out and other teams start saying, fantastic idea, or yes, we all have that same problem. Let's collectively look at a way that we don't do this again. And then you just not only just improve your team, even te- improve the entire agile release train of, of people. So that's why yeah. retrospectives are so important. And I, I'm yeah. singing it from the rooftops and... I'm teaching teams I'm how to you. do it. I'm, I'm totally with you on this one. Um, I'm so just passionate yesterday, about this. <laughs> I sent um I sent a link of a recent retrospective I did to a colleague. So it says, what are the lessons you learned from your... I just sent it. And quite a lot of items there. I think close to 70 items of, you know, of things you could go... You could, you could work through. Um, something else, just another experience for me on retrospectives before we try and move on, is... I was recently, or a few years ago, actually, I was parachuted into a team that was struggling with collaboration. Right? So I was parachuted into a project, really struggling with, um, with, with collaboration. And the first thing I did before even trying to change any structure was just hold retrospective. That was the very first thing I did. And straight away, because the team was struggling, there was a lot of negative feedback. But we were able to identify a couple of gems. You know, and with those gems, with the challenges, we made the necessary tweaks. So... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they turned into rock stars overnight, but the team began to function, right? And we actually, and delivery actually started. So they're significantly really, really powerful. Yeah, that's the fact-finding exercise straight away. Yes. Same way if you joined a new team as a new Agile coach or Agile um, uh, uh, Scrum Master, for example, 
first thing you want to do is have a retrospective, learn about the team. You get to understand what the personalities are like. You see what their pain points are like. You see who has the great ideas, who talks, who doesn't talk. It's an opportunity for you to get all this beautiful data that you can work with. And then you can start to assess as each retrospective happens. Are we improving? Are we improving? Are we improving? And the teams also get to hear that you're interested in what they have to say. And it's not just, you know, they're just sounding things off. They're actually seeing, we fixed it. We fixed it. It's fixed. Yeah. It. We've had this problem for the last couple of years. And, you know, you've only been here a few weeks and that problem's gone away. Those are the type of, these are the reasons why you need to need those retrospectives. So don't leave them as optional. If you don't have them, <laughs> you're suffering. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, if we move on to what you do. So I know you do a lot of things, right? So one of the things you do, no. you probably already mentioned it, touched it, is you're an agile coach. Uh, I recall yes. a conversation we had recently where you were in a position whereby you were coaching the agile coach, as it were. So you were coaching an agile coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so can you can you talk us through, you know, what is what is it being an agile coach, and when is when does it make sense for organizations to bring an agile coach? Okay, so an organization wants to make agile work for them. When does yes. it make sense to bring an agile coach, and how what's the best way of going about that? Good question. Okay, well, in the same way a football team benefits from the training and development by a football coach, an organization benefits from the value provided by an agile coach to train the teams and, and leadership in Agile and oversee the development of Agile teams to, to ensure that those effective outcomes. So you can kind of compare them to, say, a football coach in that sense. Um, and Agile, again, like a football coach, um, helps the team reach and perform to their full potential. An Agile coach, their ultimate goal is to arm Agile teams with the right knowledge, tools, and training so that they'll be able to use Agile to its full potential. So you can see that. That, that, that similarity in a sense. So it makes sense to bring in an agile coach when an organization wishes to introduce agile or experiences proje- uh, problems with agile or begin to feel like agile just isn't working. Bring in an agile coach in those situations. Also when there's confusion about how to do things and teams don't collaborate and we're getting those us and them silos arising. Again, time to get an agile coach in. So for most businesses, especially mid-size and small organizations, it's more useful to hire an Agile coach on a contract basis to help them um, get their Agile teams up and running and eventually parting company um, once everyone's adjusted to the new way of working. And in a larger organization um, with, with larger teams, keeping an Agile coach on a long-term basis is useful to help oversee the cultural changes um, as the organization shifts to agile ways of working and there are different types of agile coaches as well there's um, technical agile coach um, process management and non-directive so it really depends on what a team or organization requires so um, a, a technical agile coach they work closely with development teams and they're expected to be experts in coding and integration and they can really help propel a um, development team's capabilities in agile in agile um, uh, software development for example and a process um, management coaches they help to oversee an organization's adoption of agile and focusing on establishing leadership in agile teams and 
non-directive um, coaches, they provide individualized support for people or organizations that need to solve a specific agile-based problem. Um, so you, you have those, those different types. So as far as, as, far as um, how I'd recommend um, teams to work with agile coaches, um, the first and foremost thing I'd say is to have an open mind, be honest about flaws and be willing to try new things. Um, certainly be vocal and really, really want to, to collaborate and to, to contribute. Those are the ways to work with an agile coach. That's what they want. They want people to be talking. They want people to be honest. They want people to be explaining what's going on so they can work together with you. Just like a coach will be helping a footballer whose technique isn't that great, they can help guide them and get them get them right. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's why agile coaches are so important. And that's how I'd say you'd work with them. Cool. That's really, really insightful. So, really, agile <laughs> coaches could be the, could be, actually be the determinant to get, make an agile work for you. Yes. Small, large organizations. Make agile work for you. Yeah, make Agile work for you, not you work for Agile. It's, that's what it is. People and interaction over processes and tools. All right, so if we change gears a little bit and look really big picture to the, the world around us, okay? Uh. Okay. Right now, the world, we're in a rapidly changing world. There's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of interconnectedness. We've got interconnected supply chains. We've got technology that's coming out that could literally redefine what reality is, right? Disruption. Where yes. virtual reality, cyber reality becomes more material than what we refer to as material reality today. Mm. Right? In this world, in this mega complex world, is agile up to the task? Is Agile still really relevant today? I know it's a challenging question, but it's... Well, you said it. You said it already. It's rapidly changing. Um, so when things are rapidly changing, one needs to be flexible and adaptable, i.e. Agile, to face it. So we're, we're firmly in the, the age of software and digital with, as you mentioned, world-shaking disruptions. Um, and um, to remain competitive, enterprises need to digitally transform their operations, their business solutions, and their customer experience. Um, I think it was, um, we're talking about books, weren't we? Um, John Cotter, who's a renowned author and Harvard researcher, and um, he's an expert in leading change. And he said that um, the world is now changing at a rate at which basic systems structures and cultures built over the past century cannot keep up with the demands being placed upon them. So the point is that large organizations are a threat due to the proliferation of smaller niche companies that are able to adjust and flex as market forces push them or customer demands change or legislation change, etc. Whereas it's typically much more difficult for um, the larger organizations to, to shift and to flex and to be adaptable um, due to their hierarchical structures and change, their change management um, processes. So you'll certainly recognize that um, from working in banks as you, as you have, um, that established banks compete with fintechs, for example, and you know, they, they, do, they do tend to struggle. So agile 
helps these organizations to respond to change more quickly and effectively. And frameworks such as SAFE, like I mentioned earlier, or LESS, um, they help to enable the entire business to be agile and not just software development teams. So um, take the most uh, significant change that we all know about in the world, the COVID pandemic. Um, the agile mindset has been especially impactful during this period of uncertainty. Um, we've had to adjust to a new way of working. We're having this conversation at home and this is where I'm working, um, where we need to think outside the box and our mental health has also been put to the test um, and human interaction has been impacted as well. So agile approaches of regular daily interaction, be it video calls or whatever, they've been a, a positive lifeline for many and providing some kind of a semblance of, of, of normalcy. Um, and agile goes um, hand in hand with lean and they're very connected. Um, whilst agile looks at optimizing um, development processes, lean looks to optimize production processes. So a shift to value stream management which is a, a lean management concept, it's important today if enterprises truly wish to compete in the increasingly digital world. Um, it's, it's fundamentally different um, because it looks holistically from ideation um, to delivery, and it will make good the promises that Agile and DevOps might not be able to fulfill at scale. Um, it ushers in a, a change of thinking um, and tooling and job roles that can truly... Uh, enable organizations to be able to compete. Um, it, but takes, it takes a systematic approach um, to measuring and improving end-to-end -end flow. Um, and it can help to shorten time to market, um, increase throughput, um, improve product quality, um, optimize for business outcomes such as um, time to market, um, revenue, customer retention, um, employee happiness. So indeed, Agile is highly highly relevant for today especially today M more probably more than it's ever been things are changing rapidly like i mentioned so you need to be agile with it so yeah agile super super relevant definitely yeah so you, regardless of the challenge what you're saying here i think i'm, I'm, I'm with you mm. agile with the right mindset with intelligence and applying agile agile is still up to the task oh, yes that is probably the one thing we need to be looking at very carefully today. Mm, definitely. Um, if definitely. I look at the, the examples you gave of where you don't want to use Agile, those examples seem to be going away as well. Those scenarios where you have predictability, where you have fixed things not changing quickly, we're, yes. we're seeing less and less of that. Um, so organizations <laughs> really need to pay very close attention um, to, to Agile. Mm, definitely. Cool. Um, if we go to the the very beginning of Agile. So one of the things that came out when Agile first started or the Agile movement was the Agile Manifesto. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. And I just want to, I just want to read it and then we can, we can come to that. So I've got Manifesto here. It's quite, quite short and straight to the point, actually. Individuals so and interactions <laughs> over processes and tools. Oh, Working you, software you, you, over you, comprehensive documentation. Really Customer really collaboration. Really of contract negotiation and responded to change over following a plan. Four key values, right. 12 principles. Yes, All right. I remember. So I didn't have to read it. You, you, no, you no, no, remember everything. I know it. I know it. All right. For heart now. So, 
so from those those um those four those four values four mm -hmm. four values what can we actually learn from the agile manifesto you must have learned a lot if you've chosen yes, to memorize yes. it as well well yes and well like i mentioned four key values 12 principles and they've been around for 20 years now and i think that they've stood the test of time well and um the, the principles build the well we mentioned like the four key values you mentioned those already um and the and the um the principles build the foundation of agile and many of the the principles reinforce the point that agile is about embracing change and lowering costs so the often overlooked preamble so if you look at the pre at the, the manifesto there's a little bit of preamble just before it which says um we're uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others to do it. So it, it, can, it contains a, a, a clear directive that Agile is driven by action and we're learning by doing and we're helping others to do it. So it means continual experimentation, exploration to get better and better. So the first thing to remember is that whilst the manufacturer, while the manifesto talked about software, the principles have grown beyond that. So to be fair, Agile thinking and ways of thinking, they existed long before the manifesto was written. And it wasn't, it just wasn't called agile. So the manifesto effectively um, codified a, a way of thinking that hadn't been used um, to software development. So it can be used anywhere. Um, so the first one I mentioned was um, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. So that's teaching us that to value people more highly than processes or tools, as it's clearly the people that respond to business change, uh, to business needs and to drive change. Um, it puts the focus on the people and their energy, their innovation, and their ability to solve problems. The second one was um, working software over comprehensive documentation. That's teaching us to, um, it, well, it, it, it doesn't mean no documentation, you should just create documentation that provides value and at the same time does not hinder the team's progress. It simply reminds us um, or reminds the teams to document no more than necessary and when necessary, um, keeping documentation as simple as possible, just enough to be of, of use. Um, the customer collaboration over contract negotiation, that stresses the importance of encouraging customers and development teams to collaborate um, to chart the best way um, forward together um, as partners rather than viewing each as adversities. Um, and keeping the, the customer as part of the process ensures um, greater customer satisfaction as you give them what they want. And um, finally, the responding to change over following a plan, that teaches us that um, being open to changing requirements rather than being fixated on a, a specification or an upfront plan that um, creates opportunities for innovation and better outcomes and reduces the risk of handing to a customer something that they don't actually want. So altogether, these key values help you to deliver to customers um, products of greater quality and satisfaction, um, faster time to market, increase in productivity and increase um, employee engagement. So you're learning a lot from these. So you just really have a look at these, these um, values and these principles, really think about what they're doing and you'll find that they, they really do 
benefit organizations and the people who work in those organizations too yeah um it's, it, it's interesting when you when you if you have an open mind everything you've listed there those are timeless principles, right? It's timeless, <laughs> yes. yes. It's, it's, it's 20 years, exactly. It, it, it was 20 years this year that the manifesto was written. And we're still talking about it today. It hasn't changed because they are they're common sense things and they are really, really important. So, um, yeah, they'll, they'll continue to stand the test of time, even though the world is changing, like we were mentioning earlier. So, yeah, good. Yeah, it's really insightful. Um, the, the, last, the last value there where you you value respond to change over yes, following a plan over following a plan so that that particular value reminds me of a statement attributed to u.s president world war ii u.s president dwight eisenhower nice ah, and he said that plans are worthless but planning is everything right planning and is everything. that is so key that it, he and he had to deal with this because of it was in the middle of a war. You can go ahead. You do need to go through the process of planning because actually planning is the value. It's the process mm-hmm. of planning means you're collaborating, you're interacting, you're exactly. meeting people, you're getting mm-hmm. insights. The output itself is not. It's important, but the people, the interactions, everything. and that process is actually more important. It's exactly. actually something I, I do today when I'm going through a planning exercise with a team. I put it on the screen so they know we are planning, but plans are worthless. And I reiterate that while mm. creating a plan. <laughs> and yes. it, it just goes back to the Agile Manifesto. It's, it's a way of thinking. Of, you need to value the right things. People yes. over processes. It is so critical. It exactly. Is so critical. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back to the way we started the conversation at the very beginning, mm-hmm. we, we broke Agile into two separate camps. Okay? Mm-hmm. Or, or the knowledge of Agile, two separate camps. So there are people who... The live and breathe agile, the way, and that's it's by doing. Just what you said, agile is we 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 get to learn agile by doing. That's how we learn. Yes, we learn, by, learn doing. by doing. Yes. So, so there are people that do agile. They work agile. They create value using an agile mindset, agile methodologies with the frameworks to follow as well. But there is another camp who they've heard a lot about agile. The manifesto mm-hmm. has been out for twenty years, so you almost yeah. cannot hear about it. But it still seems to be something out there. Um, if you, we speaking to those people, so hopefully they've followed us up to this point. We speak to those people again. What would you say is the very first step they need to take to make agile work for them? So we've got a big picture, but now we know it's okay. What's the first baby step you take to get agile to work for you and your team? That's a great question. Um, do you want the long answer or do you want the short answer? Um, it. It all depends on how comprehensively you want to do this. Um, an agile transformation for an organization takes a series of steps from, from building a leadership coalition to make sure the, the executives are all on board and through uh, defining your end state vision, um, building a transformation roadmap, ch- building checkpoints for measurement, um, adapting and learning, um, building your end state vision, um, uh, connecting outcomes to um, to um, business objectives, um, managing c- uh, communication throughout. There's lots of steps, steps to it, but that takes effort. It takes um, planning, it needs to be managed and, and measured for its effectiveness. So um, in short, I would say, if you seek quick wins, one, um, learn what agile is and what it isn't. So you know if it's, if it's for you, first thing to do. Two, um, analyze your current ways of working. 
and identify your pain points. Three, apply your learnings and, and that, uh, that um, agile mindset to the most important pain points that are low-hanging fruit, that don't take a, a Herculean effort. So yeah, learn what it is, um, apply, uh, um, um, analyze the current ways of working, identify the pain points, apply your learnings, look for the, uh, the low-hanging fruit to apply your agile mindset. That's how you do it. Um, so it could be simple as um, something such as introducing a 15-minute daily stand-up to check your progress and to highlight issues quicker so that it can be uh, collaboratively addressed. Or it could be like what we were talking about earlier, introducing retrospectives, and that serves to eliminate poor processes that impede progress as well as motivate and reward employees and it's an opportunity for you to get to learn what's really going on so um those would be the first steps i'll say into introducing agile to your organization yeah oh. yeah that would probably perfect. be the best thing yeah. to do yeah no perfect so you 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 know you look for quick wins with learning so you do some learning quick wins those learning. quick wins those quick wins yes because yeah. you, remember you're going to have you're going to have those people who are saying, you know, Agile is the fad, Agile, we, we just go in Agile for Agile's sake. Those people are turned around when they see results. So deliver results. If, they, if it could be as simple as, oh, the team are, are gelling more, the team are communicating more, communications are getting better, things are starting to get finished on time, people are asking the right types of questions. You know, morale is improving. Those types of things, low-hanging fruit, quick wins that mistake isn't being made anymore ideas are coming out quick wins quick yeah. wins quick wins those yeah. are the kind of things which will get people to start saying okay then we're now beginning to get it it's starting to work for us and it becomes you know um yeah it, it becomes that again links to that people in interaction people are starting to talk and getting better and it's not just oh yeah we're following agile but they're doing the right things that's that's what it's really all about and that's 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 how i'll really get things in and in a big organization maybe i'll go for a proper transformation but those are the quick wins i'd say yeah i think i i i really like the idea of the quick wins the quick wins also mm. allow you to build momentum so if you've got a quick win it creates yes. energy enthusiasm you've got another little goal there you go again you go again you know and a few years down the line you're right you realize you're miles away from where you started just because of these little quick yeah. wins that doesn't need a lot of budget either just change of behavior a change of thinking no i did that in the, in, the, in the organization i've been working in now where i've taken a team that were performing in a certain way ways of working with each other and ways of working with other stakeholders etc you got your shrinking violence people who didn't speak in meetings didn't really talk didn't really hear their voices and now, if you look at the team, these are the people are saying, uh-uh, no, but da 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 and they're speaking, they're, you know, they're really explaining things. You're looking at the emails are getting more, more um, linking to, to user stories. So they're explaining, well, the relevance of this email is because of this. They're saying, we need this in by blah, 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 because these are going to be the impacts of it. So they're looking at key dependencies. They aren't looking at assumptions. They're looking at what the key risks are of all the work. They're completely a different type of team. Small changes, massive results. Now the, the highest performing team in the entire program. So yeah, it works. Perfect. Um, just in closing, 
it'll be good to know a little bit about, about you, more about you. So uh, yeah. we know you're an agile enthusiast, isn't it? It's very clear from our conversation. <laughs> enthusiast. <laughs> I love that word. But, <laughs> I'm an enthusiastic but, person. <laughs> but what else are you doing? And also, how can listeners and viewers get in touch with you as well? Sure. Well, I run DNA Consulting Limited. And right now I'm contracting as a safe agile consultant and scrum master for PepsiCo. And I'm teaching and evangelizing safe agile and leading development teams. It's a digital transformation program that improves data quality across Europe and sub-Saharan Africa and provides harmonized views of information across business units for financial planning and analysis. So I'm really getting deep into that stuff. I'm really into data and all those things. Um, and um, I can be contacted on, on LinkedIn, that's Dean, A-T-T-I-D-O-R-E. And I'm available available for one-to-one coaching um, and training via people per hour, Clarity and Fiverr. So I'm, I'm teaching people Agile um, and I get contacted for people who want assistance in specific problems that they're having or just really understanding how to do things in, 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 in a better way and making Agile work better for them as well. So... Those are the kind of things that I'm I'm doing. I'm pretty much doing a lot of lot of different things. That you you, you really know my background is architecture, enterprise architecture. That's Zachman, Togaf, and all those types of things. And so um, I'm involved in lots of different areas. But it's all about doing things in a better way, doing the right things, and getting the right things done in the right amount of time. You know, getting things done. That's what I do. That's what I do for a living. I just get things get the difficult stuff done right first time. That's that's what I do for a living when anyone asks. Get me. things done. <laughs> get get things, things done. done, which gets us back to what we were talking about in the, in the beginning of this of this of this call. It's just get things done. That's what it's all about. That's all the business really care about. Do you get it done? Will it be done when we need it? In will it be as good as we expect it to be? Yes, it will. That's what we do. Re- and, you're re- it, and you're good at it too, by the way. Because I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen your work. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, thanks, thanks, you know, uh, thanks for, for that. <laughs> thank, thanks for that. Um, I think, I think it's been a brilliant conversation. Um, yes, enjoyed it. Been able to to feel a little bit of the enthusiasm. <laughs> I've learned <laughs> I've more about. I've learned more about agile. I've learned a lot more about agile, and hopefully, our listeners or viewers have enjoyed and got a lot of value from this as well. Um, Hopefully, we'll be able to bring you back at some point because I know you're doing a lot more things. So there'll be a lot more insights coming out. Yeah, do as, a lot of different things. along as well. <laughs> cool. Yeah, All right. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time today. And we'll speak soon. Take care. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Look after yourself. Bye-bye. Are you looking to make Agile work for you and your team? Would you like to join in the conversation on how we can make Agile work for us? Connect with a community of like-minded leaders on our website, thechangelead.com. When you visit our site, click join to join the community. Check out the show notes for details on how you can contact today's guests. Also, please don't forget to like, comment, review and subscribe. Thank you very much for tuning in. Have a great week and see you next time.